It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. And welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler and Chris currently along with you. Wes will be joining us momentarily. You know, we always joke about Wes coming in like right as the show is starting, like comes in the door, throws on his headphones. We actually got him today. I I see him walking past you coming up the Gervais Street parking or uh, sidewalk. We actually started the show without him for once. He's a talent. Yeah, we can't delay the show. We're just going to get it started and he'll just come in. You have to hear more of me for just a couple seconds. That's okay. That's okay. See, you're here. You're always here early. Like I can look out at ten thirty, and you're out there on your laptop, like getting some work done. Because I know yeah. you're going to be here on time. And Wes likes to lie by the seat of his pants sometimes. I would like to create like a kind of a merger of those two things. Because yeah. my mine is a little bit of an issue at times. Well, I'm you're also, inefficient. You're also a dad, so I imagine that makes you early to a lot of yes, things, right? It, it absolutely does. But this has always been a, a kind of a pseudo problem for me. Well, now Wes has finally joined us in the studio, and he can't hear me because he doesn't have he- has have his headphones on right now. But, yes, we've been talking about you being finally late for the start of the show, Wes. Welcome in. Yeah, I appreciate you pointing that out to everybody there, Tyler. <laughs> Thank well, you for that. See, 99% of the time, you're right on time as the show's starting, coming in, sitting down. So we had to get you the one time you weren't, you weren't ready. Yeah, you got me. You got me. I was doing some actual work, though, so I wasn't. Just hanging out by the pool or... Well, it'd be pretty cold to that do that be, today. Yeah, yeah. Would be, it's like 50 degrees outside. Yeah, that would probably be another bad decision, but... Probably less than ideal. Um, yesterday, we obviously focused so much on the defense from Saturday against Florida. We got no opportunity to talk about the offense because they had another very good day. I mean, anytime you score 37 points, that's a pretty good day, especially in a conference game. Um, unfortunately, the defense uh, ended up allowing 41 points and you end up with another loss but uh, so many layers to this offense and starting with Spencer Rattler another really really fantastic day on Saturday continuing what's been a trend this entire season obviously had a little bit of a setback in that game against Tennessee as did most of the offense but another solid game from him on Saturday um, you know leading this offense against Florida I mean especially at home this year he has been nearly unstoppable I'm very curious to see what the feedback continues to be from NFL teams as we start to get, you know, towards the latter half of the season. And then if he keeps this up, what what it's like, you know, after the season, once you kind of get into the offseason time when teams are really starting to dive into that stuff. But, man, the decision-making, the accuracy, and I think just the pocket presence and the decision-making within the pocket, when do I take off and run, and – you know, he, he's never been called a dual-threat guy, but he continues to hurt teams with his feet. Like, he uh, it, he kind of it feels like he's one of those guys that is moving a little bit faster than he looks, um, or he just has a very good knack for, for finding that open space. Uh, you know, I, I just I think that's been such a big part of him extending drives. It reminds me a little bit, and I'm not saying these two guys are the same quarterback, but, like, Jameis Winston was a traditional pocket passer when he was at Florida State, but he had the athleticism to hurt you with his feet when he needed to, but that wasn't his main M.O. 
just take off and run. But when he needed to, he could. Yeah, and I, I don't think he ran like a super fast 40 either, but just football field, uh, you know, in the game, for, for whatever reason, he's kind of a half step faster than, than the guy around him. Um, you know, not, not to say he's Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is a dual threat guy that extends plays, but is not really that fast on a clock. Right. So, um, you know, I, I've just been so impressed with that aspect. Yeah, there were a couple plays where he extended and, and then uh, just kind of flicked the ball out there and, and made plays. One of them, he spun around completely and then somehow got his head back around and found, I think it was Omega Blake. Uh, you had the touchdown pass to Trey Knox that he kind of extended the play a little bit. The deep ball to Leggett, you know, you can say that's a great play on Leggett's part as well, and that would be true. But just to get the ball out there and give him a chance while he's getting he's getting hit directly like face up, head on, uh, just so much. Imp- I mean, he's given this offense a, a chance this year. Yeah, he, he's been uh, really, really good. And, I mean, I go back to after the, uh, the the post game of the Florida game, and he was asked about the interception, and he just kind of, like the confidence level that he's had throughout this year. He's been really even. He's been really steady. And his answer was just kind of, yeah, that won't happen again, you know, type of thing. And we have seen the decision-making, to your point, Wes, I think has really improved this year. There were a couple – the decisions, I think, have only um, gone – have decreased in quality a little bit, like when it's getting pretty dire for South Carolina, right? Like you look at the the Georgia game, right? Had a couple picks in that game. They're both late. There was a decision – in the Florida game later that was not picked off but wasn't a great decision, then there was there was the late pick. Other than that, the decision-making from Rattler has been really, really good, and that was a huge point of emphasis coming into the season, right, was to turn the ball over less on offense, and they've they've been able to accomplish that um, so far. The, the interceptions have gone down. The decision-making in terms of the quality has gone up, and I think – Couching it, like you said, Wes, is like giving this team a chance. Uh, he's done that in in, ba- in every game, basically, that they've played. And we'll have to continue to do so, I, I think. I, I think the the next step, maybe not for Rattler specifically, but just for this offense in general, is can we take what we've seen at Williams-Brice Stadium actually fairly consistently this year and, uh, you know, now take it on the road with you. Now, I, I know there's – some discrepancies there and and defense that you're facing and pass rush and and stuff like that the uh the games where South Carolina has struggled the most with protecting Rattler kind of going through them in my head um you know for the most part have been on the road and South Carolina also has been able to find some semblance of a running game at home the games on the road they they really for the most part haven't you did have the big long run against Tennessee other than that, not you know, not quite as much, not a sustained rushing attack. So, to me, next step for this offense, that I mean, that was a pretty good day for them. All you know, all things considered, on Saturday, can you go do that uh, against Missouri? Well, and that Florida defense coming into the game, particularly against the pass, was one of the best in the SEC. Now we talked about it heading into the game. Now they had not faced a quarterback quite as good as Spencer Rattler up to that point, but still, when you're putting up those numbers halfway through the season, that's nothing to shake a stick at. And again, South Carolina or uh, South Carolina and Spencer Rattler were able to go out there and take advantage of that.
Yeah, I think you have to be most maybe uh, encouraged on the offense by the fact they were able to run the football too. Like, I think we know, we've seen what Rattler can do. This is not a fluke at this point. This is kind of who he is. And he carried over what he did at the end of last year and has been really, really good. Um, has just made throw after throw and good decision after good decision. Really, Where this offense takes off is when you can avoid putting him in kind of must-pass situations. And, you know, against Florida, it felt like they did that. Mario Anderson has kind of sparked that. That's a big key for this week, man, not to get too ahead of ourselves. W- what's the injury status for Mario Anderson? Um you know, we'll we'll get a we'll get word from Shane Beamer today. Um, the little rumblings I've heard so far, not to speculate, but the little rumblings sort of say, um, you know, that it hasn't really been decided one way or the other yet. And so I, I'll be curious to see what Beamer says today because uh, you need Anderson. You're gonna need Anderson on the road, you know, more maybe more than ever because. Missouri's going to score some points, man. So it's going to be on this offense, I think, to to kind of keep doing what they've been doing, but also to try to do that on the road and give Rattler some time and a little semblance of a rushing attack. Missouri's going to score some points. It's going to be tough to score points, you know. And and just like this team has been different, you know, home and away, I think we've seen the offense has been, you know, a little bit different home and away. Defense, honestly, right now kind of struggling everywhere right now, to, to be quite honest. But, I mean, you look at the – the last couple home games for South Carolina, you know, you put up 37 points and 39 points. Should be 2-0. You know, if you do that, you score that many points at home. And so the – we talked about this a little bit yesterday. First two and a half years, certainly the first two years, there was much more emphasis on the offense. Now the the – you know, point of emphasis in terms of the talking points is kind of, I think it's officially flipped to the defense, kind of seems that way based on some of the performances we've seen because the offense has shown enough to where it's it's given you a chance. And I think there's also been an understanding of where USC is. You know, you're missing at various points in the season, you're missing anywhere from like two to four starting offensive linemen. You're losing the guy that was your leading and best receiver coming into the year, right, the, the run game. Like, you understand those things. And they, they've made do. Not only have they made do, but last two home games, I mean, if you had a your entire, let's say Jalen Nichols isn't on the shelf, you got juice out there, it, people would be happy with scoring 37 and 39 in the last two games, regardless of the circumstances. Sure. And that's if Marshawn Lloyd's still on the Like, people are happy with that, and that's good enough to win. So I think the offense has it been phenomenal in every game no there's still issues to clean up but they've been good enough to give you a chance to win yeah i um especially at home man i like i said i I think that's the next step can you go do it on the road and you know i I guess is it the timing with the offensive line to an extent dealing with the the noise I, i i don't know is it is it the matchups on the road i mean you're faced faced the georgia defense in one of those games you faced the you know, a Tennessee defense that we, I mean, James Pierce, not to make Gamecock fans even more sad because he was a priority target for them. He has come on like something huge for, for Tennessee. Like that wasn't just against South Carolina that he was wrecking, um, you know, shop in the backfield. So maybe some of that is matchup based, but it does seem like there's something to kind of, um, 
you know, the, the noise factor obviously maybe affecting your timing a little bit on the offensive line. And that can be the difference sometimes between protecting your quarterback and not. Um, you know, I haven't really had a chance to dive into Missouri defensively yet. But, I mean, that that's the I – don't, I don't care what they are defensively. Like, right now, you're going to have to – you have to find a way for for Rattler to have a, another big day for you to have a shot this weekend. I think here, uh, just from a, pr- a preliminary look, uh, you talked about the running back uh, position with Mario Anderson a moment ago. Also touched about the uh, offensive line, who looked noticeably different this past weekend. We'll dive into those changes and how that projects going forward. Coming up, listen to Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Mid-season savings of 25% off all apparel. That means all Under Armour, Cutter & Buck, Aaron Andrews, Press Fox, Champion, and many other brands you love are all 25% off this week. Men's, ladies, and children all can pick apparel and save 25% on everything you find. Gamecock Traditions, 5134 Sunset Boulevard or at Sandhills or shop online at GamecockTraditions.com. Hurry, the Gamecock Traditions mid-season savings run this week only. The most anticipated rock holiday tradition returns. Trans- Iberian Orchestra, live in concert, Friday, December 8th, two shows, Colonial Life Arena, Columbia. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. A legendary blend of rock, classical, and holiday music for the entire family. Don't miss Trans-Siberian Orchestra's The Ghosts of Christmas Eve, produced by Live Nation. For appliances with reliances. Come see the entire line of GE appliances at 1421 Atlas Road. Jeffers McGill offers the best customer service and lowest price on every GE make and model. Including GE Profile, Monogram, and Cafe Brands. Jeffers McGill and GE, your home team. For appliances with reliances. We get it. Your search for a new career seems never-ending. Until now, here's your chance to join the Cumulus Media Digital Sales Team and put that search to an end. You'll be able to showcase your growth with a position where the harder and smarter you work, the more you'll earn. Cumulus Media Columbia is looking for motivated, energetic, and tech-savvy individuals who are looking for an exciting opportunity. Whether you are new to sales or an experienced rep thinking about the future, go to this station's website and click on Cumulus Careers to apply. Cumulus Media Columbia. Boost your career today. This week only, you can get three rooms of carpet cleaned plus a free hallway from Zero Rest for only $109. This offer ends this week, so schedule your appointment now before it's too late. Schedule online at ZeroRestColumbia.com. The Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Wide receivers on the wide side, that's the right side, and Juju to his right. Out of the gun, counterplay, back left. Juju open at the 10, the 5. Steps up and high steps into the end zone. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Juju McDowell. What blocking, Todd? His second on the year from 17 yards out. Boom, what another good-looking drive from Carolina. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. That, of course, was Todd and Tommy on the call on Saturday. Juju McDowell getting a touchdown against the Gators, and he's somebody that I think 
I imagine we're all a little bit surprised to see be featured as much as he did on Saturday. And I go back to what Dow Logan said last week in his um, weekly press conference where he had the bye week, he had the chance to assess things. And, you know, we talked about those 69 ineffective runs. Um, you know, is, is Juju going to be featured more, not only in the run game, but the pass game going forward? I know he said he, good, said he had a good week of practice, and you feel like maybe you can use him uh, in some, some specific areas there. Yeah, I think that's the key, the last thing you said, man. I, I thought they did the best they have maybe all year at putting him in some good situations. Now, some of, some of that is the blocking, uh, you know, like uh, Tommy Suggs said there. The blocking was good, and so you get him in space. If you can block on the perimeter, he can do some things for you. They got involved in the passing game. Um, that was actually something Beamer mentioned, but not specifically about this. Um, one of the Juju runs was when they introduced a little bit of um, – like power, uh, you know, having a, a guard pulling through and opening up space for him. And they've primarily, it looks like, been kind of a, a zone team, inside zone, outside zone. They did a little bit more power, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, counter this past week. And then they actually, the the play they hit on the little kind of, I guess you'd call it a screen to Josh Simon for the touchdown, that was a play action off of power. And uh, or off of counter, I think. So they, they did some different complementary things. But I, I think for Juju, the key has always been, can you kind of put him in those spots? They, um, I guess, hit him off a little play action down at the goal line, too, where you got him in space and kind of were messing with the, the linebacker's eyes a little bit. And he, he can do those things, man. And I, I think it's just you, you don't want him having to break a bunch of tackles inside the box. But the way they used him, and, and hey, if Mario's banged up, you're going to have to continue to find ways to, to get Juju out there in space. I'm a big gap scheme guy, Wes. I, I, I think I think back to uh, the Kevin Harris days. Mm-hmm. They're just running gap scheme over and over. And that was a different type of offensive line. I, I think Beamer actually gave some pretty good insight on that. You're exactly right with them being more of a zone team. They're not the biggest offensive line in the world. And so they run a lot of zone concepts, but a couple of different things kind of help them, I think, get more towards running, more power, more counter, more gap scheme style plays. One of them was they just looked at it during the bye week and said, I think the word Beamer uses more volume. They wanted to add just some different things to the run game. You know, a, a zone runs a zone run. You know, there, there's different types. There's different combinations of them. South Carolina still ran something. They, run a good bit of outside zone, for instance. There's, that's still going to be, I think, a staple play, a staple concept for them. But just adding some different things that, you know, coming into the game, Florida probably had not on their scout team run a whole bunch of power encounter, would be my guess. They've seen it before, but you don't see as much of it from South Carolina. So now you've added that, you've put that on tape. So that was one thing, just adding more more volume, you know, some different things. But also, Tro Ball, you know, is a big guy that can move inserting him and inserting Trey Jones, who's not the biggest offensive lineman, but but can move and kind of, I think Beamer said, dent people, having those two guys in the lineup helped. Were you surprised at how much shifting they did on the offensive line going into the game Saturday? Uh, I, I was not. Um, you know, if you'd asked, we had kind of gotten word that was probably coming. If you had just told me, asked me blindly, I probably would have been a little bit shocked just that they had... That's a move you kind of, um, I'm sure you consider very, very uh, detailed before you actually make that move. Because 
Rashawn and Garjulo have been kind of your your two most consistent guys. And so to make the move on moving both of them, I mean, that frankly kind of tells you where they were from an offensive line standpoint. But, you know, we, we had gotten word that Rashawn was making the move to right tackle. You know, the, the inside, I, I think, was kind of still up in the air, frankly, uh, even kind of getting closer to the game. Was it going to be Ja'Kai Moore? You know, I, I think they're pretty settled on Ball being one of the guys inside and, and obviously letting Tree Babalade, excuse me, continue to learn and play left tackle. But, you know, Tyshawn Wanamaker is actually playing inside now as well. So he was in the conversation. Trey Jones, obviously, in the conversation, ended up getting the start. And Ja'Kai Moore, who, um, you know, had been banged up, but, uh, you know, supposedly back in there, back available, he was in the conversation as well. So there, there were still some moving parts leading up to the game, but they uh, they settled pretty quickly during the off week on making this move with Rashawn Lee. And now, but now you have, uh, you know, he, he's banged up as well. So it's uh, it's just been never-ending, man. I mean, I I feel for the players. I feel for the staff on the fact that you make this big kind of gutsy O-line change, and it seemed to work pretty well, frankly. Going good. And then no, another injury. Yeah, and Ja'Kai Moore, I didn't notice. Wes, do you, did you, studying it back, did you see Ja'Kai Moore on special teams? I did not. He was listed as having played special teams on Saturday. Now, I did not notice that. He, I mean, he was dressed and he standing was, over there. I mean, he... Uh, he must have been out there on you know, yeah. the field goal team, what, whatever. They they do tend to use um, some backup offensive yes. linemen on their field goal and PAT team. So whether it was coach's decision or whether it was, hey, you're kind of just not quite comfortable with him being out there with the shoulder in kind of, you know, volume action. Or point he missed practice time because he missed practice the shoulder. Time. Right. So I think it's. It's going to be important, though, especially with what you said about Vershawn Lee. You know, we'll we'll see what Beamer says about him. We'll see about this weekend. But you need everybody that you can get with some experience back in the fold. And uh, so Fugar ends up coming in for Lee after that, gave up uh, a few pressures in, in the few snaps he was out there on the field. And, look, Fugar's had his struggles this year, so has Wanamaker. Do you feel like Wanamaker is maybe the better option if Vershawn Lee is going to be out for a while at, at right tackle, or are you just kind of – flip a coin between those two i think you kind of flip i think i'm gonna just steal your verbiage man (laughs) that that position trying to say it politely it's been there's been struggles at right tackle i hey let here's the thing man i thought fugar held his own like I, i compared to the struggles there earlier this year um yeah gave up a a few pressures, but I mean, pulled up the PFF grades, fifty nine point seven. You know that that actually is just barely below sort of your baseline PFF, and that's in thirty seven snaps. So mm-hmm. he he actually played more than half of the game, and um, you know that as far as the games, as far as the games he's played a bunch of snaps, little. Actually, that's that was his best game. But frankly, um, according to PFF, all of them somewhat similar. 
but but it kind of is what it is, man. I, I go back to also with Fugar. He's still like he's not played a ton of ball. So if they are pretty equal, may, you know maybe you go with the guy who who you you're going to need him at least at least for this season. He's going to be one of your backups. And as of right now, if Rashawn Lee can't go, he's very possibly going to be a starter. Um, they seem to like Ja'Kai Moore when possible at guard quite a bit more than at tackle because we have seen them not make that move as far as in-game this year. So, I don't know. None, none, of, none of the moving around is ideal, obviously. Does Trey Jones stay regardless? Does he stay at, at his guard position as a starter? Did he show enough Saturday? I think he probably did. Considering that it was his really first major playing time of the year? Yeah. I think you, you keep giving him a shot, but also I don't I don't know if you look at it like he just set the world on fire. Just locked in. But, yeah, I mean, y'all may recall listening that um, Trey Jones was working with the first-team unit when all this started, when camp started. And um, I think he was at right guard at the time. But So he's been in this conversation to be a starter. This is a guy, Chris, found a role as the extra, quote-unquote, extra lineman, that blocking tight end slash even a fullback. Remember the touchdown against Auburn? That was amazing. <laughs> that was hard. You know, it's hard to believe. That was, what, 2021? Yes, it was. So he he's always kind of been that guy. I feel like you were waiting to see, all right, when is he going to step into a, a bigger role at, at South Carolina? Like you said, he's not the he's not the biggest in terms of height, but he does have some width to him. He does have some strength. I think he's a guy that can get some movement up front and – you know, I, I think he's kind of been one of the guys that has played on special teams and the PAT role for a lot of this year. So, I I mean, I was kind of happy for him to get a shot, and I, you probably roll him back out there this week, I would think, but that's not backed by specific info. Keep this conversation going about the offensive line. Got some people that want to weigh in on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. That's coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. We're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia 1075 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Well, welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler West Chris along with you on this Tuesday morning talking all about the offense and what we saw from them on Saturday against Florida. Going to go out to Love Chevrolet phone lines now. RJ wants to weigh in on our offensive line conversation. RJ, thanks for the call. What's on your mind today? But I, I, I do like this subject, and I appreciate you talking about it. So, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, as a fan, I don't mind starting um, Bob Alade, you know, starting three as a freshman, okay? He may make a few mistakes, um, 
you know, he, he may give up a sack every now and then, but he's out there trying. He's got the size. He's got the uh, the length. And he you can you can tell he's a good prospect. The problem that I have, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know how many players, offensive linemen specifically, that Beamer brought in this year, portal transfer players. But when you have a portal player, you have to get him. He has to. You have to hit on that guy. Okay. You can you can run with you can run with Trey, who's a freshman, and be okay with him because you've got him for three more years. But if you go get a portal guy and you miss on him, you struck out twice. Not once, but you struck out twice with that guy, in my opinion. You have to hit on those portal guys. I'm not sure that we've done that. you got to remember these portal players are leaving because they want to get more playing time. The, the problem is they're not playing probably for a reason. Now, you may be able to go down to a lower class and get a guy who's an All-American, a really good player, but I just wanted to kind of, especially, Chris, get your feeling on that. You know, if you strike out on a portal player, you know, it's a, it's a double whammy, in my opinion. You've got to go with those guys because you're bringing them in. You know, think about it. You're bringing them in to fill a spot because you, you need them. That's why you go out and do that kind of stuff. So I'll hang up and listen. I enjoy your show, guys. All right. Appreciate the call, as always, RJ. Again, 803-406-100 for the Firehouse Subs text line as well as the Love Chevrolet phone lines. And talking about these guys that came in from the transfer portal, we obviously talk about Fugar, who did get uh, to play about half the game on Saturday. Obviously, Nick Arjulo has played wonderfully this season and was the center on Saturday and played well there. Uh, with, with Fugar, though, like you, you brought him in knowing he was going to be a little bit more of a project, not anticipating that he was going to have to be thrust in the starting role, and nobody foresaw the decimation of injuries this offensive line has had. You guys have been covering this team for a long time. Have you ever seen a position group hit this hard by injuries in just half a season? Yes. Yeah, okay, well, that's fair. But anyway, you, you, br- you bring in a guy like Fugard, not anticipating these. He has several years of eligibility. And the anticipation yeah. is, okay, he comes in, you develop him, and he can be one of your contributors down the line. Unfortunately, you've had to throw him right into that starting role right away. Well, RJ, thanks for the call again. You actually hit on a lot of different things there. And so here's one thing, and Wes, you can talk about this part more. Because you are, I think, the OG of, of this take. Transfer portal offensive linemen are not as high in volume or quality. Right? Yeah. That's number one. Especially quality. Quality. Um, as RJ pointed out, got, now I don't think you can say this blanket every situation. There's a reason they're not playing. Kind of depends, right? But you look at the two that they got, Garzulo from Yale who actually probably, he would not have transferred if not for Ivy League rules. Mm-hmm. So you should be thankful Had for to. that. Had to, because he wanted to play another year. He's been their best offensive lineman. That was a great get. That's a hit. Fugar played at a lower level, so it's not like he transferred from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. You know? So you get that guy in a different situation. The other thing is what we talked about all last hour, Tyler. If there, To the extent that there are some big-time offensive linemen in the portal, do you have the uh, resources, I think you could say, to go get them from an NIL standpoint? Because if there is a big-time offensive lineman, that's going to be part of the conversation. Yeah, and I, I think, on, honestly, it was a very well-thought-out conversation from RJ. Uh, some good yes. points, especially in more in general, though. I think for South Carolina's offensive linemen specifically, I don't know if it really applies because you're not talking about guys who transferred from, say, an SEC school because they were not playing, 
and then they come to South Carolina and expect to play. I, I tend to agree in general. I think there's been a higher hit rate on guys coming from quote-unquote smaller programs, smaller conferences that just balled out and were just great players and then taking that step up. That's across multiple positions, not just offensive line. I, I think, again, with Fugar, and one point I do want to also add in, not all transfers are created equal in terms of their eligibility. And so with Fugar, they brought him in essentially, actually for the exact reason we're seeing too, because they knew they needed to build depth. Now, in a perfect world, you wanted to develop him for a year. He's a he's a big guy, athletic guy, need to maybe reshape his body a little bit, continue to develop as far as technique. In a perfect world, he would be competing for playing time next year not right now and let me ask you this when you talk about developing your technique for a guy that has already experience has experience playing college football at western noise what kind of things can you change about somebody like that over the course of a season or so yeah well you know first of all he's only a redshirt sophomore so he had one year that he played there so you're not even talking about a super developed guy but but it can be a lot of things some of it uh, the obvious footwork hand placement um you know just getting experience and anticipation of well hey this guy's rocking this way this means he's probably gonna have an outside move how how do I study film how do I sort of anticipate the skill set of the guy across from me uh, you know there are all types of things in any sport that a veteran will kind of notice like just that that intelligence that you build up by playing against uh, like opponents you know similar skill set opponents so I do think those things take time unless you were just that much better, you know, physically than the guy across from you. So, you know, some good points from RJ across the board, I think, from a big-picture standpoint. But as far as South Carolina's offensive line right now, I don't think the problem was necessarily their portal recruiting. And, and to what Chris was saying earlier, I'm not necessarily talking about South Carolina's transfer guys. I'm That's literally – across the board it is hard to find talented especially offensive tackles in the portal because those guys are going to the nfl they have no reason to hit the portal they're going straight to the pros and if honestly if not for the injuries this year we're, we're probably we're not even talking about Sidney fugar right now mm-hmm. like he's just he's just practicing probably not playing because if you had Jalen nichols if you had, remember Case and Henry won the, the right tackle job, you know, there, there's just been a lot of things that have happened, injuries chief among them, that has caught. Now, Nick Gargiulo would start. He'd be a starter regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, he at whether it's guard or center, we've seen him at both this year. Uh, but I think that's the reason this conversation is even taking place right now is because of your injury situation. It's just a lot different than bringing in a, a receiver or a running back. Like, it's just a different animal curious what's the previous position group that was this decimated or more by injuries i'm just thinking about i i said that off the cuff because i just remember some years where it seemed like the entire team was decimated by injuries there the entire defense got decimated in 2018 is that the year yeah i mean it was I might not have even been accurate with saying one position group, so you could just say one well, side they were of the down ball. To like, they were down to, like, their <laughs> seventh safety. Yeah. Um, like, the seventh on the depth chart safety when the season started. What, was it 2020 when Zeb Nolan played quarterback? 
That was 2021. 2021, sorry. Gamer's first year. Yeah, I just I was just looking up something. Uh, it's 50, it must be 15 season-ending injuries Goodness. in uh, in 2018. Yikes. Um, by, by the end of the bowl game, you had 12 members of the two deep on defense out and uh, another four on offense. I mean, I, I even remember um, just so many guys got hurt, and I remember even uh, – Steven Montag didn't even play in that game because he had an infected tooth. Like, it was literally, like, everything you could think of. Any possible injury. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, in, in you know, in defense of some of these guys, man, like, I, I do hate it when fan bases kind of pick on a couple of players in particular. Um, you know, Fugar, again, in a perfect world, would have come in and developed for a year and then been competing next year. These guys are trying their absolute best. So... Just the fact that they're put in that situation, and in some ways, is not that it's not their fault. That's that's where South Carolina is right now. That um, you know that he's playing. He's just not ready yet. So I, I get it. You go compete, and people are going to comment on that. But um, you know, I feel like there's a line there as well between commenting on it and then just making a guy kind of the poster child for your struggles. Shout out Stephen Montac, former. Newton Ram, like myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You would have known Stephen Montag. Yeah. Um, he was a year behind me, I think. Um, it was a good get for them, actually. Very under the radar. Just a little get. quiet get. Played a lot of football for them. Played well. Speaking of recruiting, we'll talk about the recruiting weekend that was for Florida this past Saturday. That's coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game. Mine are coming up at 1.30. We hear from Coach Beamer, as we always do on Tuesday for his weekly press conference, sponsored by Pete Alewine, Pools and Spies. You can listen to that during the halftime show with Terry. Uh, looking back at this past weekend, obviously we talked about Louis Solomon a lot yesterday and his flip or flip-ish commitment. Delayed, what'd you call it? A delayed flip, uh, Chris, earlier? Is that what the official De facto flip. De facto flip, that's what it was. His de facto flip from Auburn to South Carolina. But he also had a lot of guys in town this past weekend to take in the Florida game. And obviously had a lot of guys from the committed 2024 class. Had Landon Duckworth, who's in the 2026 class. And I'm seeing this as well. I also had a 2027 running back also on campus. What's that guy in, like, ninth grade now? Yeah, David Segura from Burns. Guys, there was a 2028 kid on campus uh, a couple of games ago. And I just... Jeez. Hurt me. Hurts. So that kid would have been born in like 2010? Don't, don't do this. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't do this. But, yeah, they, they had a great group in, man. The, the reactions have been really positive. At I mean, again, recruits don't look at games the way fans do. Sure. Or media does uh, by any means. And so that that was a great atmosphere. And you got to see an entertaining game if you're a prospect. And... So from that standpoint, it, it was fine. It was good. Do you want the win? Do you want to be sitting there with the positive vibes after two? 
Does that make it an even better visit for a guy if they are heavily considering your school? Of course. But, you know, I I think uh, lots of positives to take away. The guy that my attention has turned to as well would be Ryan Montgomery, the four-star quarterback, 2025. He's taken multiple visits to South Carolina now. This is his first one for a game at Williams-Brice Stadium, and he's remarked that he really likes Sandstorm. Said it's one of the coolest things he's ever seen during the recruiting process. And, you know, it's kind of emerged as the most likely quarterback for South Carolina in this 2025 class. And he's had a huge year so far. Interestingly enough, heavily considering Florida as well. So maybe no surprise that he visited for that game. And also is kind of starting to close in on a decision could come in early 2024, uh, possibly in February, but Florida involved. Um, Auburn has started to become a little bit of a factor. They're not in his top five, but they have tried to get involved, and he's supposed to visit there here coming up pretty soon. So Ryan Montgomery, definitely a name for South Carolina fans to know for that 2025 class. Yeah, he would, uh, you know, it's kind of narrowed down. Just some things have happened. You know, there was a point where Dowell Loggins had offered a few different 2025 quarterbacks kind of all at once, but they've kept, have not cast a super wide net. And I think um, they've kind of, I think the proper terminology might be zero in. They've zeroed in on, on Ryan Montgomery. And it was interesting, Wes, that the Gators and the Gamecocks are kind of probably two of his favorite schools, you know, even out of his top five. And uh, it seems like he was pretty undeterred by you know, anything that he saw on the field. Of course, the offense put up a really good showing, uh, which is a positive for a quarterback sitting in the stands there. Uh, as far as 2024 class goes, the majority of the guys that were on campus were guys that were already committed. Josh had Cam Fountain, a guy we've talked about quite a bit, currently a Southern Cal commit. Joe Lott committed to Troy, and then Trey Horn, wide receiver prospect, who's currently committed to Georgia Tech. Yeah, Joe Lott did not make it. Um, I have tried to get in touch with Trey Horn, have not heard anything there. He, he's he got some connections to the state of South Carolina, uh, currently committed to Georgia Tech. That was just a name we've been given from that Raven Gap group that was in. And then uh, Cam Fountain, that's an intriguing one. I feel like, well, obviously now that Solomon is committed, but even before Solomon was committed, you would have said South Carolina is much further along with possibly flipping Solomon than Fountain. Like, it's not one of these things where we're just anticipating, oh, it's going to happen. It's just going to be a matter of time. But certainly, and Chris is closer on this one than I am, certainly Cam Fountain has been one that we've been keeping an eye on for a long time and that South Carolina is one of maybe a couple or three schools that are are heavily involved in trying to flip him from Southern Cal. Yeah, I think the distance is going to end up weighing in there more. He he was one that kind of went out there over the summer, fell in love with it. I don't, I don't want to say impulse commitment, right? A lot of things like about Southern Cal, of course, but um, one that as soon as it happened, you went, all right, there's probably going to be a situation to monitor here. And so interestingly, we just saw the Jalewis Solomon saga with Auburn and South Carolina. Auburn's hosted Cam Fountain. They're, they're probably the other main competition right now between the Gamecocks and the Auburn Tigers. Some folks feel like South Carolina's in a in a pretty good spot. Uh, but there's still some time left here to go. I, I do think right now maybe some others get involved. If you're kind of laying odds on it, 
probably more likely that he ends up in the SEC playing for either Auburn or South Carolina than, than Southern Cal, I think. So you think even though he's committed to Southern Cal, there's a better chance yeah. he ends up elsewhere at this I point? I do. That's my read on it. It's going to be a de facto flip. To someone. <laughs> to, to someone, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that could happen, or maybe he just opens it up in general at some point. Wouldn't be surprised if he just decommitted and then went and took some, some more visits, you know, this later this season, after the season. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I think uh, the chances of Auburn or South Carolina ending up with them in the class probably higher than sticking with the Trojans. Gotcha. And we're right at, uh, right at about two months away from early signing day to officially start locking in some of these guys for the 2000 and uh, in 24 class, but as always, we keep an eye on recruiting what's happening there. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next is the Halftime Show with Terry, and of course, Shane Beamer's press conference, sponsored by P.L. Wine, Pools, and Spas, also coming up at 1.30, so be sure to stick around for that, and we'll react to that on the afternoon show with myself and Jay Phillips.